Right, Mark, I today have a joke that was written in 1956, and we're going to see if it holds up today. Uh, what is the difference between a pickpocket and a peeping Tom? Uh, I don't know. A pickpocket snatches watches. I don't get it. Are you doing this on purpose to try no. and make me look stupid? No, 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 no. Whereas a peeping Tom watches snatches. <laughs> You are now listening to the You Run podcast, the only horror movie review podcast completely run and controlled, not by me and Mark, your hosts, but by you, our listeners. Hey, Scoob, we're on the radio, bro. You want to die tonight? Zoinks. <laughs> you choose the movies. You score them. You review them. Because after all, this is not our show. This is your show. I'm your number one fan, Mr. Man. It's not perfect. It has its problems. The You Run Podcast. It was just weird. I don't know. I guess like a weird thought. The You Run Podcast. Bitch, you better not forget about me. Don't you ever forget about me. Hey, this is Naomi Grossman, best known as Tucker from American Horror Story. Hi, it's Imitation Dave. You son of a bitch. Just make sure you fucking listen. This was fucking incredible. He's the one you need to blame. Get a little bit of gasoline. I'm gonna make it burn. I'm gonna make it burn. Hello, welcome to the My name is Scott. Uh, my name is Mark. Uh, Mark is decidedly unshevelled and a bit confused today because I am topless. Yes, it's a very, very hot day today in the UK, but that still does not excuse your behaviour. I think you like it because you're smiling. <laughs> I can't see you. I have your screen turned off. <laughs> uh, yeah it's very very hot here in the uk today so i am in nothing but a pair of shorts well or so mark thinks because he can only see my top half and even that is slightly weird <laughs> uh we are the only horror movie review show completely run and controlled by you the listeners uh we work hard to try and bring you an entertaining show and all we ask in return is that you give us a review uh, you can do that on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. If you do it on Apple Podcasts, write something really nice. Uh, we don't ask for you to subscribe to a Patreon. We don't ask for you to do anything, really. And you could do it on the app you're, you're listening to now. How are you feeling after last week, after your triumphant H4 on the show? It's nice to be back in the co-host chair, I'll be honest with you. Um, as much as I was grateful for doing that episode, You've took something I loved and cherished and made me by the end of it hate it. So this well is what I feel like this was your evil plan and this is what you planned all along, really. This this is why I brought it up. <laughs> <coughs> oh, sorry, ter- terribly sorry. Something else I'm suffering with at the moment is another bout of COVID. So if I do yes. cough, I apologize. Yeah, so you watched it how many times last week in the build-up to the show? Well, we usually record on a Friday, and I think from the moment it was announced the previous Friday, I think I had the weekend off and then I watched it Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday twice, and then again on the Friday before we recorded. So that's six times in five days. So what you're saying is you now are sitting in the same position as me with H4. No, no, no. I still idolise and love that film, but it may get a wide berth this season, I think. I'll maybe have to skip a year and come back to it the following. I'm going to take that as a victory. I feel I've won. <laughs> Yeah, by the time we'd got to the end of that review, when I was like, fuck, I literally don't have the energy to try and justify this anymore. It's literally draining everything I have from me. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
we also on this show we give shout outs for you so if you call into the show you get a shout out if you take part in three word review you get a shout out if you give us a fact you get a shout out if you share your opinion you get a shout out and the most prestigious of all of these shout outs is the shout out that mark does where mark scours the the depths of the dark web that is instagram and he finds an account that we should all go and follow so It's that time of the week. It's time for Mark to recommend an account. This week's recommended account is Universal underscore Monsters underscore Bolt. Um, as you probably know by this point, the topic of conversation this week is Creature from the Black Lagoon. We are touching on 1950s, 1960s sort of horror, which was pulled to you all on Instagram. And Creature of the Black Lagoon is the one that we settled upon. Um I will dive more into it in the episode, I'm sure. I'm sure will Scott as well. But um, I know very little about this sort of era of film. And upon watching this, I felt it was necessary to try and do a bit more background, a bit more research. And I came across this account on Instagram. Now, they are a very, very dedicated account. They post still shots, images from the films, and then obviously shots of characters and stuff that are involved in the film. But... The thing I like about it the most is if they've posted a shot of, say, The Invisible Man or The Mummy or The Frankenstein, you click on the more option at the bottom and it will tell you the year of the film, the studio, which obviously nine times out of ten is Universal Pictures, said actor playing said role and all the rest of it. It kind of gives you a bit more insight and information to, to the characters you're seeing on screen. As I say, I know very little about this genre, so it's very interesting for me to sort of take a dive into this stuff. And if it's something you are interested in too, this is probably the perfect place to start. So that is Universal underscore Monsters underscore Vault. Very, very insightful page, especially if you are interested in the early era of Universal Monsters. Yeah, so so go and give them a follow. I'm not going to lie. When you and me sat about six months ago, we decided what polls we were doing. When we put together the poll for the 1950s and the 1960s, I really was like, meh. Yeah, meh. Every single movie, I was like, meh. I'm really not that bothered. It, it didn't entice me in any way, shape or form. I've not watched that genre of horror. I had no intention of watching that genre of horror. And we put in a selection of movies that I assumed were the best ones. So we had Dracula, we had Wolfman, we had The Mummy, we had Creature from the Black Lagoon. Um, a Creature from the Black Lagoon won by an absolute landslide. Um, I was mesmerised by that as well. Like, considering... Obviously, we, we both know very little. I do know who the creature of the Black Lagoon is, but when you're going up against such monsters like Dracula, Wolfman, the Mummy, the Invisible Man, like I I didn't put this within the top sort of two or three, let alone winning the way it did. No, nor did I. And I think a good place to start this review is with the trailer. couldn't explain it, but there it was, alive in the deep, deep waters of the Amazon, a throwback to a creature that had existed a hundred million years ago, immensely strong and destructive. A woman's beauty, the bait that brought it out of its lair. Sea underwater thrills never photographed before, 
sea titanic underwater battles never dreamed of before in this most terrifying of the science fiction adventures. Now, as I said, I had no interest in movies from the 1950s and the 1960s. I'm an 80s baby who loves 80s and 90s movies. I do have some fond memories of watching old black and white westerns with my granddad when I was like really little. But beyond that, it just didn't appeal to me at all. I'm going to say from the off before we even get into the review, I was astounded by the production quality and the effects of this movie and shocked at just how good it was. And if you're listening to this game, no, Universal Monster is not really my thing. I promise you, if you stick around, by the time we finish this review, you will want to go and watch this movie. Yeah, agreed. Um, it, it, it genuinely is. It's If you're not into Universal Monsters, hang about, because this movie will, this review will change your mind. I'm pretty sure it will. I'm curious to know whether this is a peak of Universal Monsters, because I was, I was blown away by this film, and I want to know where this sort of sits in terms of quality amongst the rest of them. Yeah, if there are people who are listening who know a lot about Universal Monsters and there is a movie that's better than this, I want to go and watch that. Yes, immediately. Uh, And I'm going to seek out the sequels as well because I am so impressed with how good this is. Yeah, I want to touch on a bit of a conversation later on about the whole Marvel Universe and all the rest of it and find out where this takes us with this. Um, I don't know how much research you've done. I've done not, as usual. (laughs) I want to talk to you about it and find out what's what with it all. Uh, And there was me thinking after you'd done a week of hosting, you'd have upped your game and that would have been your level of input each week. No, 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 no. no. I'm back to normality now. This is your show, man. (laughs) You're back to watching a movie and turning up with a beer. This is correct, which I have in hand. That result, so do I. So do I. Even though I am dying of COVID, I'm not that sick. Um, (laughs) No one's ever that sick. Now, the beginning of this movie, I'm not going to lie, is the worst opening to a movie I think I've ever seen. It's about five minutes long and it's a a narrator giving you like the genesis story of Earth and how we started as a a Big Bang. And it kind of gives you the Big Bang theory and how we crawled out of the Earth. At this point, I was ready to switch the film off. Yeah, I give the loudest groan ever. I'm just like, oh, God, how long? I think I even pressed the button multiple times, you know, to see how much it was, how long the film was on the TV. Uh, can I do yeah. this? Can I, really, can I just play this in, like, twice speed or something to try and get through it? But... Yeah, th- this opening scene was dismal. But from the opening scene, we venture into the depths of the Amazon jungle uh, where we meet Dr. Meyer as he makes a startling discovery um, you're going to get a lot of cheesy exposition in this because it's the 1950s, and that's just how it was done. Um, on the banks of the river, he found a fossilised claw uh, with the help of two, I think I think the correct term here is two native workers, because at no point do they give them any more description than that. No, they would probably run a high risk of, of, of blackface these days, because these are very clearly white men with bowl cuts and a very heavy spray tan. Yes, this is this is not a politically correct movie for modern times. So, no. yeah, brace yourself. If you're very woke, this film may upset you on many, <laughs> many levels throughout pretty much every scene. Um, he explains to his workers that he needs to say so they, they cut the, the this arm that's hanging out of the rock out. 
Yeah, and I mean, he, I want to just say he's not a very good archaeologist, is he, at this point? Like, if you see something so historic and fossilized hanging out of a brick like this, you you, you get your brushes and your Jurassic Park toolkit out and start start shoveling away the dust. I mean, he just goes up and grabs this thing out of the rock and snaps it off and be like, oh, I better take this back to America. Well, it was the 1950s. Did they make that much of an effort? Maybe not. No. Yeah, but... exactly. Um, so once they've they've dug it out of the rock, he says that he needs to go back to the Institute, um, which <sighs> I quite liked this. So he uh, before he leaves, you get the first glimpse of the monster or the creature. Uh, you get a, a, a rubberized claw hand comes out of the water, scrapes across the dirt and goes back in. How were you feeling about the appearance of the creature at this point? I'm I'm still not on board at all at this point on this film. I, no. I, there's a certain point where it finally grabbed my attention and this wasn't it. Um, no. The, the orchestral, orchestral, how would you say that? Orchestral? Orchestral music. score. Kicks yeah, the in. music. Yeah, they, yeah, yeah. The, the beat of the music. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, we're trying to be professional here. The orchestral, oh, I can't even do it now, orchestral score kicks in and it's, it's very much of the era, isn't it? Yeah. It's very heavy, very lots of... It's Yeah, I just found it all very, very cheesy. And the problem I had is when you first start off with Universal opening, the credit of the Universal pictures and all the rest of it, it, it feels... It feels so like it's heavily popularised in pop culture today, the way that people use it when they're sort of... You find it now, people still use that still black and white one, and then they transition it into a sort of a more modern thing. Yeah. And it's and stuff like this is very much mimicked in, in spoof films as well, where they do like flashbacks, but they film them the same way that films were filmed in the 1950s. I couldn't take it seriously at this point. I kept thinking of all these things and and it, it, it was really, really hard for me to get on board with it, I'll be honest. Yeah, I, I found it hard at this point. I mean, I got on, but I'm not going to lie, I got on board pretty quick. So I got on board on this next scene. So on his way back to the Institute, he meets David and Kay. Um, so David used to be his apprentice, effectively. He trained David. And David and Kay are out in the sea on this little pontoon, and they're investigating lungfish. Um, he has a chat with Kay, which is a very, very sexist kind of, oh, hello, little lady, conversation, which annoyed me. Uh, where David comes up from underneath the, the water. When he gets back on the pontoon, they kind of have a bit of a catch-up. I found this scene very, very odd, but found myself very captivated by the three characters. I found it very, I was interested in what was going on. And to be fair, David, in comparison to Maya, was very forward thinking. So he was very much saying that, that he was asking me why they hadn't got married, why David and Kay hadn't got married. He said, well, she... She doesn't earn enough to make me a kept man yet. And I was like, well, that's a bit forward thinking for the 1950s. Uh, <laughs> and then he followed that with like get, letting Kay get in and drive the speedboat, which I don't know if this was a kind of a political thing at the time. If this was a look, a lady can earn good money being a researcher and she can drive a speedboat. But that's kind of the vibe I got from it. Yeah, you see, I wasn't paying that much attention at this point, I'll be honest. I didn't really focus heavily on the dialogue or really much of what was going on on screen. Um, yeah, I, I did, and I liked this bit. And I've got to say, before we get any further, the actress who plays Kay is one of the most beautiful women on the face of the earth ever. 
yes, she is outstandingly beautiful. And, and I don't mean that like in a derogatory way where I'm judging anybody's appearance, but it is hard not to ignore how pretty and how beautiful this woman is. She is Marilyn Monroe hot. Yeah. And all of the male cast as well, to even it out, are all very much that kind of 50s... Gentlemen. St- stylized gentlemen who are... Every single one of these men could have quite easily pulled off James Bond. That was yeah. the wrong analogy. <laughs> no, but no, I know what you're saying. That's what you're saying. Yeah, I'm saying that, though, I think David would have made a really cool James Bond. Yeah. Yeah, really, really cool. Um, and, and I really like this. This is where I got on board. Um, so from here, they all go off in their speedboot. Speedboot? The speedboot. Speedboot. <laughs> speed and they go off in the speedboat and they go to the institution uh, where we meet a man called Mark, who is... He's a dick. A, he's a dick. He's a, a chauvinistic male dickhead. And I really disliked him. Yeah, um, I didn't like him at all. So they're having a conversation about getting a team to go back and continue the dig for the fossil. Um, and the fossil's handed to Mark. And this bit cracked me up because he's holding it, one, with bare hands and two, with a fag in his hand. Yeah. I mean, how, how weird was this place, by the way? This institute, looked, speaking of James Bond, it looked like a James Bond, Austin Powers, evil layer thing with the giant fish tank in the background and... It was very, very sinister. It was very sinister, but I did quite like it. And the, the bit where he's got like the cigarette in his hand and then he kind of moves the fossil from one hand to the other. He puts the cigarette in his mouth as he transfer, transfers it over and then takes it back to the other hand. I was like, this is so not today. I, no. It's rare to see anyone even smoke a cigarette on film now. No. Um, I recently just watched a Netflix comedy special. I don't know if you see the new sort of comedy specials have been dropping at the minute with celebrities and friends, like a Pete Davidson one. And I watched a Snoop Dogg one the other night and uh, they were all there drinking and smoking joints on, on stage and stuff. And I'm like, wow, man, this is crazy. I mean, I know it's, I know there's some like some states in America smoking weed's legalized and things now, but it, it's very weird to, to see that on screen. That's how much it doesn't happen anymore. No, no, it really doesn't. We've been conditioned not to see that now. Yeah. Um, and it's, yeah, it, it, it really surprised me. And it kind of, I, it got a chuckle from me. I, I won't lie. Uh, we get a flashback back to the, the camp where the, the two native assistants are getting settled down in their tent. And we get the first look at the creature as it comes in and kind of manhand, it almost Michael Myers them, manhandles them H4 style to you the floor. H4. Of course you do. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this is this is where I was on board though. This is my point where I was like, oh, okay, here we go. Yeah, and I liked this because they showed you the whole creature, which I've got a real issue with. But they done it in a way where they showed me the creature, but they didn't really show me anything at all. You saw kind of a couple of shots of the creature and people screaming, and then a tent shaking. I liked this. Yeah, it was a li- it was more just like a swipe and a knock really than it was anything else. You see bits of the back of his head and stuff, but you don't see an actual full on front face or do you you do do, but it's 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 seconds so quick um but yeah i I liked this and by this point i'm fully invested and i'm really interested now to see what happens we meet the expedition team as they get on to the broken down rita uh the river vessel uh, where we meet the best character in the movie uh captain lucas yeah i like him a lot if he was not the inspiration for quint from jaws i don't know who was 
yeah, man, that's cool. He is the best character ever. So oh, they get on the boat and they're kind of going down and he's telling stories about the jungle and like, he is the doom and gloom guy. He is quit. He's like, everything in this river will kill you. Everything in the jungle will kill you. I've seen animals that he's that guy. And he just does it so, so, so well. And again, all the time with a cigarette in his hand. Yeah. He's very pantomime all the way through his loops, isn't he? Yeah. I really, he's brilliant. Um, the boat docks and we get a little bit more 1950s casual sexism as they tell Kay to stay with the boat while they go and see what's happened. <laughs> yeah yeah it's i don't know man it, it was they got to a certain point in this film where it just became so blasé to me and that's how wrong all of this is yeah i mean like, there's a bit it, it, i think the line was you stay here little lady we'll go check this out i was like fuck off yeah man you would get a high heel to the forehead if you did that to somebody now yeah i was like fuck off do you know who ellen ripley is do you know who she is exactly <laughs> to be fair i'd be quite tempted to push her off first you yeah. go check it out and then come back and let me know it's safe. <laughs> well, that's how we've progressed as a society. This is equal rights. <laughs> exactly. Uh, <laughs> um, they discover the two assistants' bodies and then just carry on with their day. Yeah, I mean, they claim it's Jaguars, don't they? And y- yeah, but there's you no... You can see in Luca's face that he's like, no wild animal has done or caused this. But they don't do anything. They're like, oh, look, there's two dead bodies. Oh, let's go dig out the fossil. There's no sort of burial scene for these characters as far as i'm concerned what i've been shown they just left them in the fucking tent and got on with it yeah do you think this is because the natives or do you think if these were american men they would have had some sort of service for them i don't know i don't want to dive that much into it but it it did kind of uh, alarm bells rang what has happened to those two bodies yeah so they go in and they start digging back out the the fossil the rest of the fossilized arm um it then cuts sort of you get these kind of fading shots that for me, we're quite reminiscent of The Exorcist where you get like a shot and then it fades and then you get another shot and it fades. And it's kind of like almost like the opening scene of The Exorcist where they're doing a dig. It was that, but on a very 1950s style budget. And you find that eight days have elapsed and they've not found any more of the fossilised arm. No, no. It turns out that there is nothing there within the the rock. And I think, is it David or is it Mark that comes to the conclusion that this is possibly a landslide reminiscence and, and if it was to be anywhere, it would be washed downstream and they should follow the river to, if it's going to be anywhere, it's going to be at the river's mouth, which is, is the lagoon. Which it Lucas is the lagoon. Explains. Yeah, Lucas yeah. Then explains. Yeah, this is where Lucas jumps in and goes, ah, oh, the black lagoon. People have gone down to the <coughs> lagoon, but they've never come back. Yeah, like it's a black pearl. He's so good. Uh, to be fair, he would have made a crack in Captain Barbosa. <laughs> yeah. What you been doing with my ship? <laughs> um, so after he gives this doom and gloom story about how no one's come back, uh, Mark, being the kind, handsome, charming, nice guy, he just goes, yeah, that's a great idea. Let's go and have a look. I-, I just stared, stunned. He's like, yeah, I know people who've been down there. No one's ever come back. Mark's like, great, right, let's get the boat ready and we'll, we'll head down there. Yeah, because he's thinking about the prize, isn't he? That's, he's, he's very, he can't have come all this way to go back with nothing. And yeah. he's willing to risk everybody on board to try and find it. Yeah, and they, um, they, they quickly jump back on the Rita and they navigate down the river. Um, we get a, a quick scene where David and Kay start planning their, their marriage. 
and it's it's quite a romantic scene and then it's like all hands to the pump as they need to get through the narrow entrance into the lagoon and all of this i kind of found it was it was pointless it didn't really have a place in the movie but i kind of i kind of really enjoyed it and uh, I, like- I don't know i kind of think it circles back around to the end um I think the whole purpose of this is to explain that the only way in is through this narrow entrance. I, I missed that. Yeah, yeah. good good point. It isn't is... until now we've had this conversation now, but thinking about it, the way you said it felt very irrelevant. I mean, in a, in a sense, it, it kind of makes sense that they're explaining that this is the only way into the mouth of the lagoon and and it is very night, narrow and tight. It's not a case yeah. of being able to go around or any other multiple exits. This is the only way in and the only way out. Yeah, and this is Mark who just rocked up with a beer this week and didn't do any research. <laughs> Tosser. Uh, <laughs> uh, once they get to the lagoon, Mark and David get straight into the water, referring to their scuba gear as aqualungs because scuba had not been created when this came out. Mate, it, I have in my notes later on in like the last act and, and Mark and David and one of them says, I'm going to grab the aqualung. And I was going to ask you, what the fuck is an aqualung? <laughs> It's because the Scuba Association did not exist when this movie was made. Oh, right, okay. So is Scuba like a brand? Uh, scuba's a like a, it's like a governing body. Right. So you need a scuba accreditation to go and do diving. And at this time, you, you needed nothing. You just needed an aqualung and you were good to go. In a similar sense that a Hoover is a vacuum cleaner, but everyone calls it a Hoover, even though Hoover's a brand model of a vacuum cleaner. Yeah, yeah, kind of, kind of, kind of that way. We get some underwater shots here, which are top-notch, but I'm not going to touch on them here. I'm going to come back to them in a minute. They start searching the bottom of the lagoon uh, for rocks because they want to compare the rocks to the rocks that come from where the fossil was and see if they can identify if it's the same rock so they can work out if the landslide had made it all the way to the lagoon while they're searching the bottom of the lagoon they're being stalked by the creature from the effectively from the reeds yeah. this looked great yeah really 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 cool really years cool. Year, decades advanced of what it should be yeah i mean there is there is stuff now that doesn't look as cool as this in terms of creature features featured around water crocodile shark films i mean I was in awe of majority of this opening scene in the lagoon. Yeah, yeah, I, I was. Um, after a while, they get back on the boat um, and it becomes apparent that there's tension between Mark and David all over Kay. It's not said on screen, but I get the impression that Kay used to date Mark before she fell in love with David. Is that kind of what you got? Yeah, so I picked up on it later on when she's having a conversation with the doctor regarding she owes him a lot and I think he sort of built up her career and give her the training and all the rest of it required but they worked in such close quarters I think something romantic had blossomed between them that didn't end well yeah and now I, I think there's sort of like this alpha male rivalry between Mark and David as the film goes on yeah and, and if you're a lady and you you're after either of these guys. There is no competition. Mark is not winning this. Mark is a cock. Yeah, but sometimes in that situation, a dickhead usually comes out on top, doesn't it? Oh, this is true. This is true. <laughs> this is the reason you and me both have other halves, because we are the dickheads. <laughs> <laughs> you can speak for yourself, man. I'm a nice man. <laughs> we get your wife on the show and ask the question. No, no, no. This is why I can say that, because she's not here. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Um, Kay has had enough of this tension so decides to go for a swim this leads us into one of the most 
beautifully shot scenes, not just in this movie, but as far as I'm concerned, in the whole of cinema. I've never been so engrossed and engaged in a effectively a silent with a bit of music underwater shot. It's fucking incredible. Yeah, I mean, it is so beautifully done. The way that the the it's such an iconic scene. And if you haven't seen this film, there is no doubt in my mind that you will not have not seen this scene whether you've seen photos of it or you've actually seen it played out somewhere throughout the history of cinema, it's probably been used multiple times in multiple films. You, you, you can't really avoid it, but seeing it in its full duration, like we do here was just, was just spellbinding. It was so beautiful to watch the way they, they swim parallel to each other under the water, almost in symmetry as they danced through, through the lagoon. It was, it was incredible. It really, really was. And, I have some more stuff that I want to talk about regarding the creature, but I don't feel like now's an appropriate time to do so. But there is more that yeah. I want to discuss about this. Okay, I mean, I, I loved it. And to the point that the effort they put in to make the creature come so close to touching her, but not actually touch her, was outstanding. Yeah, it's almost like an innocent child, the way he sort of approaches with his hand and then pulls away and then approaches yeah. with his hand again as if he's going to touch her, but then pulls away like he knows he shouldn't. Like a yeah. curious kid would when you're when you're out shopping in the supermarket, you're like, don't touch anything. You can see out the corner of your eye then slowly reaching. Yeah, it was very much like that. And that scene is amplified when she stops to tread water and the creature's below her by her leg and it kind of goes to touch and then doesn't and then goes to touch and then it kind of just grazes against her now if this was me and something brushed against my leg in a lagoon i would have swam for my fucking life she dived yeah. under to see what was there yeah i would have been gone instantly i've seen way too many horror films to be hanging around to find out what's underneath yeah I i'm not in for a shark an eel an alligator a crocodile anything like that coming for my leg i'm really i'm really up for that but it was at this point where lucas spots her uh, and decides that she's too far away from the boat and shouts at her and then decides to drive the the Rita over to get her. She's like, what, 15 yards away from the boat? She's not even far away. No, no. And she's obviously an accomplished swimmer. Yeah, and you can, not to pull this film apart, because I don't like doing stuff like that on such an iconic film, but you can, you can tell when she goes back to the boat, she's laid on a dolly and it's pulling her through the water. Yeah. And it, it sort of like pulls her a little bit too far and she kind of has to roll off it to get to the boat. <laughs> it, was, it made me laugh. I mean, it's, it's, not, it's not something that ever affected my experience, but it, it did make me chuckle when I was seeing it. Uh, it's, again, there's this casual sexism that runs all the way through this. And I don't necessarily like it, but I appreciate that when this movie was made, there was that sexism that run throughout culture. That was just, just the way the world was then. It wasn't right. It's not like that now, but... When this was filmed, it was very much a, you can't be swimming out there all on your own. Let me come and get you. There was this kind of chivalrous, unrequired chivalrous behaviour by the men. Yeah. She gets back on the boat. They try pulling the net up. So when they first got into the lagoon, they dropped a net to basically drag the bottom and pull up stones. Um, this net becomes under tension. And you get kind of this scene where the Rita's struggling to pull the net up. And when it does pull the net up, it's got a massive gaping hole in it which has obviously been made by the creature, but this is where I thought her acting stood out because she looked at that and went, oh, fuck, what touched my leg? Yeah, it's like it all sort of clicked together. Um, then David and Mark, they look at the net, they examine it, and they find one of the creature's teeth, 
or tooth or whatever yeah. you call it. They, they find a tooth in there and this is when they start to be like, this is something unfamiliar to what we have experienced so far in our scientific field. We need to we need to do research and we need to find out what it is that's causing this. Yeah, well, David wants to do research. Marx decides that he's going to go and get his spear gun and jump in the water and go and hunt whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Mark's not a nice guy, is he? <laughs> no, he's really not. So they, they jump in. So Mark takes his, his spear gun and David takes his underwater camera that needs three people to lower it into the water for him. <laughs> yeah, it's a weapon, isn't it? Um, before they get into the water, though, it's the first moment of the, of the alpha male tension you see erupt between the two of them. As, as David is insistent to Mark that we are here on scientific research. We're not here as hunters. We are not trying to kill anything. We're, not, we're trying to preserve life, not destroy it. Yeah, um, which was really cool. I like the way that it sort of established the dominance between the two. You could see that you could see that David was very assertive in, in explaining, but you also knew that Mark also was the one that pulled rank on the boat and was like, "This is my expedition. I'm taking a harpoon gun." Yeah, and that comes full circle again later, which I love. What they do is that they get into the water um, and they they find the creature almost instantly. Yeah. And they, they kind of, they stalk it for a little while. And again, these underwater shots are amazing. Um, Mark shoots it with a spear gun, which I love this because the creature kind of looks at it as, fuck, did you do that for? It's almost like a Myers moment. He's like, fuck you. And just kind of pulls it out and swims away. No, he doesn't seem damaged or injured at any point by what he's, what he's done. Um, I mean, me personally, I think if I took a big six foot spear to my rear rib cage, I know I would certainly not be elegantly yeah. swimming away like he does but he's he's genuinely not bothered um they get back on board uh where you get captain lucas who then tells him the tells the so they come up and go oh we saw a man that looks like a looks like a fish and captain lucas oh yeah that'd be the that'd be the the river man yeah i, I know all about him yeah i heard stories about it. it's like why have you not told them this before they're in the water no so they've gone to this distant lagoon which is full of mystery and people not returning from yet there is a legend of a of a half man half fish swimming about yeah. and he fails to mention it to anybody up until this point yeah which lucas knows but he's like oh yeah oh yeah that, that i'll tell you what that is that's the fish man that's the, that's what that is david is adamant he's got a photograph of it and so think modern times i got a photograph of it you'd come up and you'd flick through your cameras we get a scene where he actually develops a photograph on the boat yeah <laughs> Yeah, this is really, really cool. I mean, like you say, it's one of those, isn't it? It's just so, it's hard not to appreciate the stuff that's unfolded on screen. We can take so many things for granted these days with the flick of an iPhone and the, the capabilities we have with such items in our pocket day to day. Yeah. Watching this for me was just like, fucking hell, man, that is that's yeah. so cool that they have to do that. And do it this is. And, it's and, cool, but what a ball like. Oh, man, yeah, it's an effort. and Yeah. So, so while they're spending 15 minutes to develop this photo, the creature actually jumps up on deck and dra drags one of the crew overboard and kills them. Yes, which is um, it's Jaco's brother, who, yeah. who then starts ranting and raving that this is a demon that is hunting them down. Um, and it was at this point that Lucas has a throwaway comment of the legendary fishman. Yeah. It's, it's, so L Lucas is just great. I mean... Uh, I, this is also where Lucas goes, actually, I know something that might be able to catch the fish, man. So I use this thing that I get, I, uh, a poison that I get from a tree and you put it in the water and it takes the oxygen out of the water and the fish float to the top. Again, something that probably would have been useful to them 
prior to this moment. Yeah, yeah. I I remember them having this conversation, but then I never actually saw it unfold. Did he actually use this here and then in the scene? Yeah. So what they do is they go and get the they get the powder and they go out on the boat and they're kind of tipping it into the water and loads of fish come to the surface, but not 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 the creature. So what they do is they come back on and go, oh, it's, it's not working. Lucas goes, oh, it's probably not going deep enough. So he makes them into almost like weighted. They're like Alka-Seltzer tablets yeah, that they drop they into the lagoon. Goals. So they sink um, and they do that again. Um, again, nothing else happens. And night falls. Um, as night falls, the creature emerges um, and tries to climb onto the boat. And it's scared off by a lantern on the boat. Um, they watch the bubbles swim away from the boat and then turn on the big floodlight. And we get the first proper full shot of the creature out of the water as it kind of jumps out of the water, roars, and then dives back in. I thought this shot... And you see, I didn't like, know if it did dive back in. I thought it was, like, drugged at this point and sort of stumbled away and, like, started to pass out. It might Am have started... To, wrong? No, I think it might have started to... It went back into the water, whether it was a dive or a fall, it went back in. Because they follow it off from this point, don't they? And, they? and this is when they go into the cave. Yeah, so they, so Mark and David jump in and go in pursuit, which if I'd have seen that monster, not a chance in hell. No, no, no so, I would not be in pursuit of this thing at all. No, so they go in and that's when they follow it into, into the creature's lair. While they're knocking about in there, the creature kind of doubles back to the boat, um, kills another crew member and tries to kidnap Kay. Um, but it's too drugged uh, and basically it collapses. What do you think of the cage that David and Mark make? I mean, we both work in the construction trade. I know I could do better. <laughs> I could do a So they kind of do this. I don't know. They're kind of like these crappy bits of bamboo that they've lashed together with a bit of string. Yeah. And they put this monstrous big creature and go, oh, that'll hold it. That'd be all right. See, it's interesting because I've watched the colorized version of this immediately after I watched this one. And the scene where he stumbles out of the cave, attacks the guy and takes and goes to grab care, picks her up and holds her. You would assume that was nighttime. It's all very dark around. It's a very black scene, is it not? The colorized yeah. version, this is all turned into daytime. It's weird. It's really strange and jarring to watch. Yeah, no, that's and not right. This happened at night. Yeah, and the colorized version is not like... Uh, it's not like a, a Marvel Blu-ray, you bang on and things look vibrant and excellent. It's very... Um, like someone's gone over it with watercolour. Yeah, so when you put on like them crappy old school 3D glasses with a red and blue lens, it's as if you're watching it through that, but with slightly more colour palette to it. This was originally filmed in 3D. It was, wasn't it? I, mean, yeah. I didn't... I do do a bit of research and this did come up that it was filmed in 3D, but I didn't dive too much into that side of things. Yeah, filmed in 3D, which for 1958... 856 when this come out is fucking phenomenal this was filmed in 3d they film stuff yeah. in 3d now and we're still going oh this is amazing yeah yeah in the 50s that's like yeah completely like something else it's so 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 amazing um so they put the creature in this makeshift cage which he breaks out of in about half a second um he attacks the doctor which i i can't remember his name and he basically he escapes um, so the, the creature gets away and the doctor ends up as Myers from H4. Yeah, Dr. Thompson. He, um, yeah, because he, he sort of grabs his neck, doesn't he? And, yeah. And sort of as if he's going to break his neck. And then the next thing you see is him fully bandaged head to toe, like he's been set on fire. Yeah, he's got, he, he has literally got the Myers bandage wrap. Yeah, he has, yeah. 
like he's the invisible man it's, it's strange i didn't understand what whether they were trying to insinuate he has like acid grip or something like that i don't know i couldn't really understand what they were trying to say there no i wasn't sure either but yeah i quite liked it um so after they've done this the um the creature back in the water and everyone wants to leave now apart from mark yeah um, he tries pulling rank yet again and saying this is my boat my expedition and this yeah, is my favourite bit because yeah. you get Lucas turns around and goes, all the time we're on the water, I'm in charge. And Mark yeah. goes to square up to him and receives a knife to the bottom of the jaw. And it Lucas very, goes, very cool. Lucas is like, I am in charge. Mark's like, oh, okay then. <laughs> it doesn't just hold it there either. He applies some serious pressure and even jolts it at one point to which Mark's face just drops. I'd yeah. love to know if it was a real knife or not when this was filmed. If it was a real knife, I would be panicked the way he pushed that and jolted it around on his neck. Yeah, I mean, this is the 1950s, isn't it? So it's, health and safety wasn't as key as what it is today. So I, couldn't, I can see this being a real knife at this point. Yeah, and if it is, the guy who plays Mark has balls of steel because there'd be nowhere I'd be letting anyone do that to me with a knife. <laughs> no, no. They try and leave, and this is where as Mark pointed out earlier through his, his research that I didn't do, um, <laughs> the narrow entrance and exit to the lagoon is now blocked by fallen logs and, and debris. Um, David gets in the water and tries to tie a, a winch around it. Yeah, they try and get out. And with this, Mark goes in to assist him and the creature attacks. This scene where the creature attacks Mark and David is one of the most terrifying things for me to watch where he yeah. drags Mark and drags Mark down and down and down and down and it's so well shot because you can see Mark trying to swim against it I don't know if they used a weighted suit or how they done it but Mark is flailing his arms and legs which would make it hard to be dragged down and yeah. he just goes down at a constant pace it's such a good such a good shot it was a moment when they hit almost the bottom and you see the creature, he bites Mark's oxygen tank valve. Yeah. Did you catch that? And, it, and, yeah. it, and he bites it and snaps it in half and that is ultimately what, what kills Mark. Uh, and Mark Probably. dies, which to be fair, Mark, Mark deserved it. He's, he was a dick. I wasn't bothered by his death. No there, was no, there was no love lost on mine when he went. No. Um, the team decide to clear the blockage one more time. Um, this time David has a plan that he's going to use two tanks so he's got one on his back for oxygen and the other is linked to uh, basically a canister full of the poison they used earlier yeah and almost like the kind of thing you would use to spray weeds within your garden yeah yeah it is that's that's what he's, he's done it for so he goes in and as the creature comes in every time he sprays the creature in the face to beat the creature back um, and they manage to get the the winch around the logs and then they winch the logs out of the way and I'll be honest, just at the point I thought they were going to get out and get away, the creatures on the boat grabs Kay and he's in the water. Yes. Again, brilliant, because I genuinely didn't see that coming. I thought this is 1950s. They're just going to get away now. This is the end. Yeah. No, he grabs her and he literally dives within seconds. He doesn't hang around for any sort of confrontation. He grabs her. He's in the water and he is swam away. Yeah. Now, at this point, I got very confused because I pushed up on my um, on my TV remote and saw there was five minutes remaining. Yeah. 
and there was a lot still to go in terms was, of story development. I was like, how the fuck are they going to wrap this in five minutes? And they wrapped it exactly like this. So the creature's taken Kay to her lair, to his lair. Uh, David goes to the lair and the creature attacks David. The remaining two crew members, which is, I can't think of the guy's name, and the captain, uh, come in and shoot the creature repeatedly with guns as he begins to retreat to the water. Uh, they're about to kill it, and David said, no, 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 don't shoot it anymore. And it goes into the water, and you watch the creature sink down into the blackness, not knowing if he's a dead or alive. The end, credits roll. I was, I was very satisfied by this, sir. I was satisfied, but just shocked at how quick they wrapped it. Yeah, yeah, it felt very um, abrupt, if you will, but with such a short runtime, I mean, this is an hour and 19 minutes. It's not, um, it's not an extensively long film. I didn't expect there to be the sort of standard last third act that you get these days with films where everything comes to some sort of explosive climax. No, not, this was a fairly explosive climax. And do you know what I'm really pleased they didn't do? There wasn't an extra scare. No, no. Everything is very straight-laced and throughout, really. It's, it's a very by-the-books plot. Yeah. There's no curveballs. There's no, no extra little tidbits to throw you off. It, it is what it is. It's, it's a story from point A to point B. But if this was made today they would have done that, the creature would have sank, and the next shot you would have got would have been the creature's brother as he mowed down the remaining survivors. Or the creature's claw grabbing onto the back of the boat as it drove away, something like that. Yeah, and, and this film genuinely didn't need it. I mean, it yeah. left me with lots of questions. Did it die? Is there a sequel? Will it be rebooted? Um, and I'm going to answer all of these questions very, very shortly. Um, but first of all, let's find out what you all think. We wanted them. You delivered them. It's this week's Pre-Run Reviews. From the listeners. Okay, so three word reviews this week. Uh, Office of Pop Culture, Boy Meets Gil. Followed this with a comment going, I know this makes sense and makes no sense, but fuck it, puns. Puns don't need to make sense for me. I just like them thrown about every day. Yeah, yeah. Boy Meets Gill, I'll, I'll take that. Um, and they're a pop movie, a pop culture movie account. Uh, we've got Cabin of Horrors podcasts, epic and legendary. And they're a, a podcast, a horror podcast, just like us. Uh, Damaged Cargo, Godfather of Horror. And that's a new three-word reviewer and a mixed fandom account. Uh, 45 Creature, can't beat it. Uh, another new three-word reviewer. And Creature from the Black Lagoon, Black Lagoon fan account. So I'd have been very upset had they given this a bad three-word review. <laughs> uh, we've got Bad Analogy, uh, and they've gone Fishman Passion. And that's another new three-word reviewers. And they're two brothers and their dad in a rock and roll band. And finally, we've got Monster Bits. Da, da, da. How would you even type that out? Uh, they've done it D-U-H. D-U-H, D-U-H-R-R-R-R-R-R-R-R-R-R-R-R-R-R-R-R-R-R-R-R-R-R-R-R-R-R-R-R-R-R-R-R-R-R-R-R-R-R-R-R-R-R-R-R-R-R-R-
every week new people get involved and it it's it's such a big thing for me that people spend the time i know it's only typing three words but it genuinely means a lot to me it's something that i come up with a a way to get you all involved and every single week you all jump in people who do it every single week and people who do it once a month and all these new people who come every week so thank you thank you so much for for making three word review still one of my favorite features into facts It's time to find out what you know about this movie and what we know. It's facts. My facts this week are they're going up in interestingness, starting with the least interesting up to facts that I think are incredibly interesting. So uh, we're going to start with Julie Adams, who played Kay, uh, performed all of her own stunts for the movie. The she creep- doesn't do a great deal, let's be honest. She dived into the water at least twice off that boat. Man, everybody does that when they go on holiday. Like, it's not... Uh, also, uh, a, a fact that's not in my facts that I'll give you now. Uh, when the creature carries her into his lair, um, the creature couldn't see very well out of his costume and smacked her head on the wall repeatedly every take. Oh, OK, then in that case, yeah, fair play to her. <laughs> <laughs> um, the creature uh, itself actually appeared in The Munsters, uh, Love Comes to Mockingbird Heights, uh, under the name Uncle Gilbert. Yeah, that's cool. I, yeah. I, I haven't seen any of the monsters. I, like you say, this this is opening a lot of new doors for me. I always thought with the whole new Rob Zombie remake thing coming out that I wouldn't be interested in it. But I am quite curious now after seeing this, whether it would be worth my time going back and watching some of the older monsters episodes. The Munsters series, two seasons. There's like, I think it's 18, might be 16 episodes in each worth a watch all the way through i'm amazed it oh, got cool. cancelled absolutely amazed this is the first film that stephen king can remember watching and claims it had a huge influence on his horror writing that's a cool little tidbit if yeah. stephen king takes inspiration from it then you know it's you know it's a solid yeah the scene where Kay is treading water near the surface of the lagoon um and basically entices the the entices the thing in and it's coming close and it's kind of the creature's almost touching her feet is directly mirrored in the scene in Jaws where Chrissy becomes the first victim of the shark and she's treading water they're almost shot for shot identical as the shark comes in that's interesting I mean that scene in particular was filmed in um, North Florida's Wakula Springs I don't know if that's correct or not pronunciation someone from Florida I'm sure shut me down on that the majority of this film was actually filmed in a back lot in Universal Studios um, that was probably, I think, the only singular scene that was filmed actually out of the studio. Oh, okay. Not on, a, on, a, on, not on a set design. Majority of it was all done in pools and all the rest of it. But that particular scene with the treading water and the um, creature swimming underneath that was actually filmed on location in Florida. It's not the only similarities with Jaws. Um, so I noticed the music is very, very similar. Uh, the overall feel of the underwater, underwater shots is almost identical. I think this must have been a huge influence for Steven Spielberg when he directed Jaws. 100%. I mean, if you're going to make a, if you're going to make a shark creature feature film based in water, you're going to have to, you, you can't not watch this without, especially if you're a filmmaker and, a, and, a, and you would have seen this film, surely. Yeah, yeah, I, I think so. And it, it definitely, after watching this, all I saw was Jaws. Um, before the script was finished, they'd already planned to leave the creature's fate uncertain. Um, and this was to leave the option for a sequel. 
which they made two, uh, Revenge of the Creature and The Creature Walks Among Us, which I've not seen either, but I am going to watch both because I'm genuinely interested in what happens with the story. Do you have dates and stuff for those? Do you know how, how quick succession they were churned out? Uh, both come out in 1957, I believe. So they come so, out fairly soon after. Yeah, and two the same year. Oh, really? Both in the same year? Yeah. That's never a good thing, though, is it, usually? <laughs> no, normally not. And uh, The creature walks among us, I know, is the creature in a city. So I don't know how that's going to pan out for me. But I, I'll, I'll give them both the time to watch them. Um, now, James Gunn, I'm sure you know who James Gunn is. Uh, anyone who doesn't, uh, 13 Ghosts, Avengers, Scooby-Doo, Monsters, Scooby-Doo 2, Monsters Unleashed, uh, amongst... Uh, an absolute barrage of other Marvel films, including the Avengers and Endgame and all sorts. I can't believe um, you just skipped through that list without even mentioning Slither, one of his best horror films he's done to date. This is true. Amazingly, I didn't go for any of his horror movies apart from 13 Ghosts. <laughs> um, so he pitched a reboot in 2020 to Universal and they declined without reading the script. Now, I think they're going to change their mind because you've got a resurgence of Universal movies that's going to start next year with Renfield being the first one, which is the Nicolas Cage vampire universe. Have you seen, have you seen the first still shot of Nick Cage in costume? Oh, he looks fucking awesome. I have a theory that that's going to be coming out in black and white. I think so too. Yeah, I think just due to the prominentness of his colours and his makeup, I think that they're so highlighted that aware that he's going to be filmed in black and white to try and accent them. Yeah, um, I, I think he looks awesome. And I think, yeah, I, I'm with you because I don't think those colours will work well in colour, if that makes no, sense. No. Um, so I'm going to go out on a limb now and I'm going to say, if not next year, the following year, we will be reviewing a reboot of The Creature from the Black Lagoon. Yeah, I mean, it's had a bit of a rough ride as a new universal dark, hasn't it, with the... Um... Tom Cruise mummy reboot that came out recently that was supposed to be the resurgence in the dark universe. Yeah, and that was terrible. With Marvel and DC. I haven't seen it. Didn't Russell Crowe, wasn't he supposed to be like Jekyll and Hyde at the end? In like a yeah, so scene? have you seen the original The Mummy movies with, uh, not the 1950s ones, but the ones with... Um... Brandon Fraser. Yeah. Yeah, who hasn't? Yeah, <laughs> they were awesome. So, yeah, I, I really like those. Imagine those, but with all of the humour taken out and Tom Cruise just being Tom Cruise. So it's a Mission Impossible film with an Indiana Jones twist. <laughs> exactly that. <laughs> uh, my final fact, uh, and I apologise if I pronounce this name wrong, uh, Riku Browning uh, was a professional diver and swimmer who played the, the creature. Um, he had to hold his breath for over four minutes to film the underwater shots, uh, and the reason for that is the director thought because the monster or the creature breathes through gills, he's not going to be getting any bubbles out. So refused to give him an oxygen tank. That's a bit brutal. So is, he, is, a, is he a diver in any sort? Is he a professional swimmer? Uh, yeah, he, he's, a, he's a professional diver and a professional swimmer. But all of the shots he'd done, he'd done just by holding his breath. There was no oxygen tank. So if you watch it back, there's no bubbles coming from him at all because he's breathing through gills. Yeah, you see, one of my biggest gripes with this film was is there is actually two different actors playing the Gilman in this. You've got Riku Browning, who plays all the underwater scenes and stuff like that, and then you've got Ben Chapman, who does all of the on-land scenes. Um, 
I didn't find Ben Chapman's online portrayal to be as elegant or creature-like as the way Rico Browning did in the water. No. Um, the way he moves and the way the scales on the costume move with him in the water just was so mind-blowing to me for such a film that came out in the 1950s. It looked so incredible, like it was almost that good and that fluid the way they moved in sync with each other that it felt like it was like a Marvel aftermath CGI costume on top of it. Um, yeah. I mean, you can clearly see that this is a rubberized costume, but I'm just mean the way that the the way that it moves and the scales move with his body and stuff was so cool. Um, and, and the movements of the actor himself in the water just didn't portray well onto land. He no, felt very didn't. wooden as a character when he was almost robot-like when he was on land. And it was, I would like to have seen him instead of doing the robot zombie style walk more like, like you would like, um, like a golem kind of character, like Crouch. Or Predator. Yeah, yeah, like a Predator kind of character would have worked as well. But I think for me, like personally, I would have seen like a more golem-like character, the way if he jumped on the boat and he sort of crouched down on all fours and crept on his hands or something like that. That would have hmm. that would have been a lot more um got near Kay and went, my precious. <laughs> and as they come near him went, dirty little hobbits, get away. It's fine. <laughs> like that. Yeah, probably without that though. Without with, without, without that bit. <laughs> um with the um the oxygen for the for the creature though, they actually abandoned that in number two and number three, which I'm a little bit disappointed about because um, they got a different diver to play the creature and that diver went there's no fucking way i'm getting in a big rubberized costume and diving down in the pool when i've got no oxygen tank you could do one which is a fair comment to make to be honest with uh, you. I, I think it's a really fair comment to make is it is it noticeable then in the sequels of, I, I, I don't know I've, I've not seen them no so is the is the tank built into the costume is that what you mean yeah apparently it's built into the fins on his head right okay so i'm not sure how that's going to work oh I'll watch it and I'll, I'll report back. Yeah, let me know. Um, now, we've got no quiz on this episode. Uh, we've got no real games, but I didn't want Mark to think that he got away without anything upsetting him because after H4, I felt that something needed to upset him and make me feel better. Um, but what I found didn't make me feel better, but it is going to upset Mark just as much as it upset me. I scoured the internet. And I found a one-star review for Creature from the Black Lagoon. What? Hmm. So this is from IMDb. And not only have I found a one-star review, but I have a good idea who may have written it. And it's someone <laughs> we may know. <laughs> now I'm going really? to read it out. And you see if you can guess who I think this might be. So okay. this is the review. It's quite a long one, so bear with me. Honestly, one of the most terrible films I've ever seen, probably due to the fact that nothing really happens. The plot can be summed up in a couple of sentences. A group of people travel to a, a black lagoon and find an undiscovered aquatic human, humanoid. They find the, uh, they search, sorry, they search for an undiscovered aquatic humanoid. They find the undiscovered aquatic humanoid animal the creature attacks them. They fight back. They win. They leave. Extremely, extremely simple plot. This could have easily been a short film, but it's stuffed to the brim with pointless filler scenes that make it a feature. The characters are all just cliche, average action heroes you see in every movie. 90% of the film is pointless underwater footage of people in scuba diving and the creature watching them. The scenes go nowhere and last for several minutes. They also seem really really dull 
Finally, towards the end, the creature eventually attacks or we get a little bit of the dull, cheesy action that lasts a minute or so. Then the last five minutes, they try to scream, scree squeeze the most underwhelming, dissatisfying cl climax in the history of mankind. Creature steal girl, man go after girl, man shoots creature, man rescues girl. Bam, movie is over, credits roll. This might be the worst paced movie I've ever seen. And I have seen Birdemic, Shock and Terror. <laughs> oh, man. He couldn't be more factually incorrect with his statements if he tried. I think um, it's Elise. I do, based on that last comment. Yeah. Uh, but to be I, fair, though, to Elise, she actually likes Birdemic. I, I'm genuinely... That, that review is... If you want to know what this movie is like, take that review and literally reverse every single thing that person has said. Yes. Yes, uh, definitely. Like, he couldn't be more wrong on anything that he described then. He couldn't have got that ending more wrong. He couldn't have been more wrong with the acting quality. He couldn't be more wrong with the pacing quality. He, fucking idiot. And these are the people who live online. It annoys um, me, stuff like that. I mean, like, what I do when I do my reviews and things like that, I always worry that I'm, that I'm sometimes speaking out of turn or, or pushing somebody away from something that they may enjoy. Like, I'm always very open and honest and say it how I see it. Yeah. But I say it to the point where I try and be factually correct with my opinions. I don't just go out there and, and make up nonsense like that review where it's... Like, if he's had issues with the film, I understand that he may have had his... his I'm assuming it's a he. I do apologise. Yeah, it's a she. It, it, it but, might be. But the thing is, pointless underwater footage. It's a creature in a fucking lagoon. Of course, there's it, underwater footage. This is what I mean, and it... To just and go they weren't out. in scuba gear, they were in aqualungs. <laughs> I love the word aqualung. I'm going to use that regularly now. <laughs> you just can't go out throwing information like that out to the public. It's not fair and it's damaging. Do you know what I mean? Like you, you, need to, you need to have a valid, balanced opinion on something if you're going to try and put yourself out there the way you do with reviews. And people like that just annoy me. They annoy me when they try and voice something, but do it in such a, in such a way that... <laughs> To be fair, he's only done what I've gone and done with Buffy, so... Yeah. Is he... <laughs> am I just as bad? Did, did you write that review? <laughs> no, I love this film. Um, that I was not expecting anything when I sat down and watched this movie for the first time. Uh, what I had in my head, this is a creature feature from a bygone era that's got no place or relevance in my interest in horror. I was so fucking wrong. Uh, Creature from the Black Lagoon is nothing less than a cinematic triumph. The acting's a little wonky here and there. It's the 1950s, I can deal with that. Uh, cinematography is stunning. The story is engaging. The practical effects work is fantastic. Uh, my recommendation would be for people making modern movies to go and watch this, especially if it's something underwater because I've seen so many underwater movies that are riddled with CGI that look dog shit in comparison to something that's, yeah, so old in comparison. This is so good. If I compared this to something like 47 Metres Down, which I really, really liked, this looks better. Yeah. It looks better. Would I watch it over and over? No. It's a very one-dimensional movie. It's... It's not going to bring me anything new on a second or third or fourth watch that I didn't get first time around. But I would recommend anyone who's not seen this, this is a high recommendation from me. It's a nine out of 10. 
solid, solid. I mean, I couldn't really touch on anything more. I mean, what you've said there, you uh, you hit the nail on the head, really. I mean, I, I was very apprehensive about watching this film for the purpose of the show. I thought it was going to be a bit of a drag, even though the poll this week was my idea. I wanted to touch on something like this. I, I soon quickly realised that it wasn't something I was going to enjoy. Um, Ten minutes in, I, I couldn't have been more wrong. I was so engaged. I thought the performances were, were outstanding. I didn't think there was a, a wonky performance in here. I know you may have some issues with a few of them, but I, I didn't find anybody particularly to be um, noteworthy of being of being rubbish. I mean, everybody felt genuine and authentic. Even even the professions that were trying to trying to display on screen felt very 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 convincing to me. Um, the underwater scenes, like you say, outstanding. And yeah, with stuff like 47 Meters Down, where it's very heavily CGI'd and green screened and glossed over, this felt very authentic and, and real, and, <laughs> and which is something why I like practical effects in films. Yeah, um, and don't get me wrong, I love 47 Meters Down. I think it's a great film. Me too, me too. I couldn't speak highly enough of that. It's one of my favourite shark films, but it is a very heavily glossed CGI computer-generated film, whereas this feels very real. And I think that's what impressed me the most about it is how real everything felt. And coming from an era of technology where things weren't as, as, as easily manipulated like they are now, a lot of work must have gone in to contrive and make these scenes. And I, I was more intrigued and curious throughout my viewing of it. Of like, oh, how did they do that? Oh, that's amazing. For 1950s where they haven't just glossed over it with a CGI render, how did they make it look the way it made it look? I thought the film was outstanding. You say you wouldn't go back and watch it again. I'll probably revisit this, I think. Um, yeah. I won't make it a priority in terms of other things. I definitely want to go back and try and hit on some more of the um, Universal Monsters stuff before I maybe revisit this again. But I, I, I would never say that I won't ever watch this again because I really enjoyed my time with it. I think one of the biggest gripes I had walking away was the change in actors um, through the Gilman and the land stuff. I felt could have been portrayed better and had a little bit more passion put into the way he displayed him on screen. But that could have been a, a directorial cue. He could have just been yeah. told to perform it that way. That might not necessarily be a problem with the actor. You might have taken the the guy who did the, the water stuff. I forget his name now, even though we just said it. He could have, Rico Browning, you could have taken him and put him to do the land stuff as well. And he could have given just as wooden and robotic performance. Exactly. That is what the director wanted him to do. So even though I have the conflict between the two actors, it's not necessarily the actor's portrayal that I had an issue with. It was more the direction and they decided to take the character when he was out of land. Um, but it weren't enough to bother me. This is just a small nitpick overall in a, in a, in a really, really solid film. Um, I feel like your score was maybe a little bit too high for what my experience was. I'm going to give it a four out of five. That's still um, a solid score. Oh, it's a very solid score, yeah. And it's a very, very solid film and I would heavily recommend it to anybody especially if you haven't watched anything from this era. Yeah, um, I, I hadn't watched much. I've seen the odd bit here and there, and I, I had no interest in this, and this genuinely blew me away. My score is based on the enjoyment I had, but it's got extra points purely because of how shocked I was. Yeah. I was genuinely stunned when I watched this film. Yeah, I mean, I watched this a couple of days before you, and the whole two or three days after I was texting you every day, like, have you watched it yet? Have you watched it yet? Have you watched yeah. it yet? Because I just wanted to know how you felt and whether I was just being giddy over it for no reason. Um, it's a really, really cool film. 
I just, if anybody's out there who knows more about this information, and I'm mainly talking to you, Angel, because we've spoken about this and I know <laughs> how passionate you are about these films. Is this universe something that needs to be watched in synchronized in, in order? Do you need to watch? Yeah, do they link together? I'm, I'm interested in that as well. They do from what I know. And I do know that some characters switch over. So you'll get like Wolfman and a Dracula film, like the same way you get them, the, the same way you get the Marvel for Cinematic Universe today. This was the Marvel Cinematic Universe of the 50s. Just uh, very, very I'm, even, I'm even more interested now. Yeah, my, just, my question is, is, as somebody who has only just discovered this subgenre, do I need to start at any particular point? Yeah, I need Angel, a call in. Somebody. Yeah, uh, I need a, a list from somebody of what, yeah. where to start and where to go through it. Yeah, so that's Angel Voices of the Mausoleum. Call into the show, please, and explain to us where we need to start because we're, we're novices and we need some guidance. <laughs> um, from a very, very old movie... <laughs> To next week, a very, very new movie as me and Mark are off to the cinema, uh, which we've not done for a while. Uh, we're going to come back to you next week with our thoughts on Jordan Peele's Nope, only 24 hours after it is released. Yes. Do we do we should we give a um, should we give a little pre pre talk on where we think this is going to go and how what our expectations are? Or should we just save it for the episode? I think we should save it for the episode because if I speak now, I may end up eating my words next week. I think you are going to. Yeah, you and me have spoken a lot on this and I, I, I'm not giving anything away, but I'm not expecting a lot. No. So, no. So, but yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll touch on that next week. We'll see how I do. Um, thank you for, for listening. Don't forget to go and give us a review. Uh, tell a friend, uh, share one of our stories, tag us. Can retweet something. Anything you can do to push this show to more people is greatly appreciated. And I, I don't say that lightly. I genuinely appreciate everything you do for us as, as our listeners. And if you love what we're doing and you love to hear me and Mark talk, uh, you can check us out on our new podcast. I say new, a couple of weeks old now, but our newest podcast, uh, which is Horror Movie News, where me and Mark give you absolutely zero horror movie news and we talk shit about our lives and get drunk. Yeah, that's pretty much the gist of it, really. Yeah. Uh, so if you're listening to this on a Tuesday, that's out on a Friday. It's a brand new show. Uh, so you need to go and search for it. It's You Run Podcast Horror Movie News. You'll find it easy enough. If you can't find it where you're looking for it, go to yourunpodcast.com and it's there. Um, and yeah, I think me and Mark are going to discuss quite a bit on this episode. So it's definitely worth listening. Uh, but thank you very much again for listening. Thank you for everything you do for me and for Mark and for the show is greatly appreciated and um yeah i'll catch you all next week do we say next week now because we have two shows now both coming out on the same oh. week so do we say see you next time or do we say see you next week depending on i don't know because if what if they only listen to this show they're yeah, assholes if they, only listen, if they only listen to the show they're assholes they just go listen to well, the other no, show as well dis don't discourage our listeners stay oh, on board so you can yeah. listen to just one yeah, you but can if you listen to one. both if you listen to both you're my favorite <laughs> in fact if you listen to this our uh, horror movie news and true crime and watch youtube you're my favorite yeah that's a lot of that's a lot of ask from people man that is like a whole binge worthy netflix season it's, it's a lot it's a lot of this is it we put out a lot of content for you for free yeah for well free. you say we we i done i do two episodes you do this and you do newsweek and you do true crime, yeah. and you do true crime extra, and yeah. you do YouTube, 
and you yeah. do YouTube extra. Yeah. Plus all your guest appearances on everybody else's podcasts and YouTube shows and all the rest of it. Yes. How does your wife cope with you? Uh, I think it's safe to say she just doesn't like me. She's happy when I'm away. That's a fair valid point, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, she does really. She 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 likes me really. She just likes me to disappear between the hours of seven and ten, so she can watch the crap she wants to watch on telly. Oh, you see, I wish my wife watched crap on telly, so I had that excuse to disappear for five hours a night. Yeah, I think we'll continue this chat on um, on news. So there's another reason to go and listen to news. Hear us talk shit about our wives. Our this is pretty much the content you can expect from us on Newsweek. So yeah, see you next time. Next time, next week, we'll, we'll catch you at some point. <laughs> Cheers, guys. All right, bye bye. You want to die tonight? Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the You Run Podcast. Don't forget to get involved in the show. All you need to do is head to our website, yourunpodcast.com. This is not our show, this is your show.